Hey, we're glad that you're here today. Welcome to Church Project. If this is your first time, we hope that uh, you feel relaxed. Hopefully you feel like uh, this is a pretty cool atmosphere and hopefully you're not too cold. But we've learned that you've got to start really cold temperature in here or else we're sweating by the end. So welcome to our garage. We're glad that you're here. Hey, if, if you need a Bible, uh, there's some under the chairs. There's some uh, on, on the lamps or in the back. It's real important to have the Bible in, in front of you here. We're not going to project the, 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 what is it called, the verses on the screen. So if you can have the Bible in front of you, that's great. Today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. Um, if, if you're familiar with Church Project, we've been going through uh, the, the, what, Denny? That's fine. We, we've been going through Luke since, no, no, you didn't turn it back on. I say, like, we're going to make out. There we go. We don't want to make it out going on today. Some of you guys are like, yeah, turn those lights off. Man, we derailed, huh? Let's start over. Welcome to Church Project. Glad you're here. We've been going uh, from Luke, uh, going through Luke from the beginning of, of, of January, this whole year. We just hit chapter 7. Today we're going to look at verses 11 through 17. Uh, my, our, my hope and our prayer is that you get lost in the story of the gospel. Like, like when you leave here today, you're just so intrigued about the Bible and Jesus and who he is that, that you'll pick it up and you'll read it and you'll begin to study who Jesus is. We believe the person in G, of Jesus, if we can pattern our life off, after him, things are going to be pretty good. It might end a little rough for us, but it's going to be pretty good. We really believe that Jesus is, is the Savior. He's the King. And so our prayer is that as we go through this scripture here, um, you'll see him. You'll, you'll fall in love with him. You'll fall in love with the scripture. So before we start, I want to read these, these verses before we begin to uh, go through them. Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. You can follow along on version if you have that app as well. Soon afterward, Jesus went down or went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went with him. Verse 12, as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from that town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin. And those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. Verse 15. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. The news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Let me pray for us before we get into this. God, thank you for bringing us here today. I pray that you'll teach us some incredible stuff about about life and about who you are through these verses today. I pray that you calm our our minds. Let our hearts just be a little slower. Let us be in this place. I pray that we are open and and ready to receive what you're going to teach us today. Please show us what love is today. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through and just start picking some, some stuff apart that jumped out at me in these verses as, as I was studying and, and thinking and praying over these verses. And so if we, if we start on verse 11, it says this, Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. 
Well, up to this point, Jesus has been going to different places. Uh, he's, been, uh, he's been helping people that are sick, healing them. Uh, he's been, you know, last week we looked at, he went to, uh, he was going on his way to a house of a centurion. And the centurion said, I have so much faith, don't even come to my house and heal my sick servant. And Jesus said, I've never seen so much faith in all of Israel. Like, this guy believes I can heal and that's incredible. And he told the whole church at large, you need to have faith like that. We looked at that last week. And now he's left that town. And he's going on to a town called Nain. And up to this point, uh, people are starting to just gather around him. Large crowds of people are starting to gather around him. They're hearing about this guy who's healing sick, pe- sick people and doing incredible things. And so as he comes in, in verse 11, he comes to this town called Nain. And his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. And those words, went along with him, just kind of jumped out at me. I kind of had to pause and think on these words. A large crowd. He's been building momentum. More and more people are hearing about Jesus, and they're starting to follow along with him and his disciples, and now a large crowd. So just picture Jesus going from town to town, and it starts out with a few men and a few women, and and they're going, and as they keep going, and these miracles are happening, more and more people are joining this crowd. And so as we get to this part, it says a large crowd now is walking with Jesus. Where's he going? Who knows? But we're, we're going. And we're following this guy. As I got to the words, went along with him. Why were they following him? Why was the crowd, why were the disciples following him? It's one of the questions I I had to ask myself. Why would I follow somebody from town to town to town? Well, uh, obviously, they believed that he was their Messiah. They believed that he was the liberating king, the one they'd been waiting for. And they'd been just anticipating this, this liberating king to come and set them free. And finally, they're seeing this guy and they're, they're starting to begin to think, is this the king, the liberating king, the one that's going to set us free? Is this the one we've been waiting for? And they can't let him go. They have to keep following him because there's so much excitement around this man. Sure, they believed, but they even took it one more step further. And I think this is where you and I today, we get to really ask some questions to ourselves. They believe that this was the liberating king, that this was Jesus. There was all sorts of excitement, but they, step, they took it one step further. See, believing is just an acknowledgement of truth that really requires no action. You can believe. The Bible says that even Satan believes that Jesus is Lord. You can believe. See, but they took it one step further. They had tremendous faith. See, they put action to what they believed. How about you and I? How about you and I in our life? Like, we we can believe that the Bible is the Word of God. We can believe all this stuff that Jesus is teaching and, and how to live our life and how He loves us. We can believe all that, but do we put our faith in that, in what He says? Do we put action to our beliefs? See, James 2.17 says this, and you can write it down in look at it later, it says this, in the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. See, we can believe all day long, but until there's action, until we go and we follow Jesus like the crowds did, it's just simple belief. How about you and I? Jesus may be speaking to us today. He's, he, he's speaking to us every day of our life, but are we just believing him or are we putting our faith in him and who he is? It's a good question. Are we following Jesus like the crowd followed Jesus to name? So, all right, let, let's, let's go on here. 
soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. Verse 12. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. Kind of creepy, huh? The only son of his mother, and, he, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from that town was with her. So you have two crowds converging as, as Jesus comes into the city. Another crowd is coming out carrying this, this dead son of a widow. And so just picture that in your mind, these two crowds converging right here. In verse 13, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. (laughs) Think about this. Think about what is happening right here. Jesus is coming into town. He's got disciples. He's got a large crowd. And he sees a woman, a widow, who's just lost her only son. He sees her. He notices her. Jesus is looking around, and his heart is moved by what he sees. Isaiah 63, 9 says this. And all their distress, he too was distressed. And it's talking about Jesus. And all their distress, he too was distressed. And the angel of his presence saved him. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of the old. See, Jesus is looking around in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. He's looking around. He's looking into our life today. And he's looking. And his heart is, is, is he sees it and his heart is affected by what he sees. He sees this woman in complete distress and his heart moves out to her. There's characteristics of Jesus. We learn about Jesus through, throughout the whole Bible. And right here, I think what we get to see in the person of Jesus is this. He's a compassionate God. Like, he really cares. I'm going to get a drink. Sorry, you were wondering if I was. So. <laughs> we see parts of the Bible where Jesus gets upset. We see parts of the Bible where his heart's broken. We see parts of the Bible and we begin to learn about who Jesus is. And we see this part in the scripture. And he has such compassion on this lady that is so overwhelmed that his heart goes out to her. Jesus is reaching out to every single one of us today. He's looking at every single one of us. And with his eyes, he sees what's going on. And with his heart, he reaches out to us. He's calling out for us, saying, are you overwhelmed? Are you stressed? Are you, are you, have you had a loss? Are you addicted? Are you broken? Whatever it is, Jesus is looking at all of us today. And his heart is coming out and touching us. See, he sees this woman. And, and he, what he sees is, she's in need of me. But he knows he can heal. Like, he just came from a town before, and he healed a sick person, right? He knows he has the power. He sees this woman coming in complete need. She's lost her husband. She's just lost her son. And she's coming out to bury her only son. And Jesus sees it, and he goes, she needs me desperately. She is going through a great trial, a great struggle. And I like here how he shows both his pity and his power in one moment. As, as Jesus comes up, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't look at the woman and begin to condemn her or her son or whatever. He walks in. He knows nothing about this. This is his first time into this town. And they converge. And Jesus, in this moment, you see his pity for her. And you see his power as he heals this dead son. <laughs> he is moved when he sees us in situations beyond our ability to cope with it. 
Hey, you should probably write that down because that's good. <laughs> but maybe you don't need to, but I have to, I have to think about this every day. He is moved when he sees us, me, Aaron Havens, in situations beyond my control and beyond something I can cope with. Are you overwhelmed? Have you lost your only son? Are things going on in your life that are out of control? Jesus sees that, and he is moved to love. He shows both his pity and his power in this moment. So I see, I, I see this in, in verse 13. When the Lord saw her, he saw her first. He sees you, by the way. He sees you. He saw her. His heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Right, right? Don't cry. You've lost your, your husband. You just lost your son. I see this. Don't cry. Suck it up. What you doing, right? No. He says, don't cry. <laughs> then he gives a reason why not to cry. How about in our life? Every day. Just think, think about last week. Think about this week. Think about when you sit down and you talk to people or you go through counseling or whatever. I mean, oftentimes the world says, don't cry. Like, suck it up or whatever. And then they give a bunch of excuses. And, I, and, I, and, so, and most of them are just temporary excuses. Things you're going through hard in life. And I'm not, I'm not going against counseling or saying anything bad about a counseling or, or advice of other people, godly men and women. We should seek that. We help each other grow. It's important. We need it. I probably need counseling 24 hours a day, okay? So you hear me? We straight. I'm not talking about counseling. What I'm talking about here is Jesus says don't cry, and then he gives a reason why. Like the world around us says, don't cry. And then they give some temporary excuses. Like, don't cry. This is just a season you're going through. Right? Or don't cry. The economy will get better. Anyone? anyone? Amen? You're like, okay. <laughs> Go to your financial advisor. He's like, don't cry. The economy will come back. But even the economy is temporary. Well, anyways, we'll go on past that. We don't need to get onto that. The world says, don't cry. Just sleep it off. Like tomorrow morning, going to be new. It's going to be good. Whatever. How temporary is that? Don't cry. The next spouse that you marry will be the right one. This is the wrong one. Right? There's all these excuses of, of like hope, that temporary false hope that people inject into our lives and we even inject into our life. And it's all just temporary excuses. Don't, don't cry. That new hobby or that new toy will make, make you happy. Are you unhappy? Don't cry. Don't be sad. Go buy a motorcycle. You know, what, I mean, you hear all these advice of people that are just temporary. Don't cry because that new iPhone is coming out next month. And then the month after that. Like, there's all these temporary excuses that people make, but Jesus... In his pity, in his power, in this moment, he looks at this lady and he says, don't cry. And he doesn't give just a superficial, temporary solution. He says, don't cry. Then he gives an eternal reason why not to. An eternal. One that will last through all time and space. And when this world that we know and our human flesh decays, there's still a reason to not cry. See, Jesus is looking at all of us right now. He sees us, number one. Do you know that? He sees you. What you're going through, the, the pain, the joy, all that, he, see, he sees that. He understands that. And he's looking at you and he's saying, don't cry. Don't cry. And then he gives us a reason why not to cry. So let's jump back here. He saw, he saw her. He said, don't cry, verse 14. Then he went up and touched the coffin. And all those carrying it stood still. 
I'd stand still too, would you? What are you doing? This is a little inappropriate to touch this coffin, you know. I mean, this, this lady has lost everything. Why are you stopping this to come up and touch the coffin? Who do you think you are? Right? Just comes up, touches it, and then he, then he said, how outrageous is this? He says, young man, I say to you, get up. Whoa. What are you thinking if you're the person carrying the coffin or even the mother or the crowds, either crowd? I mean, this, this, this boy is obviously dead, right? This isn't a staged thing. They'd never been to this town. He came with his crowd. The crowd came with the mom, and, and with the mom came a crowd of people that were their friends, their family. They were crying. They were weeping. Doctors had confirmed this boy is dead, and now this man, Jesus, comes, puts his hands on the coffin and says, little boy, get up. What are you thinking at this point? He gives reason right here to stop crying. <laughs> I think what's interesting in this, we, we know that the boy is healed, but I want to pick apart something. I think what, what's interesting in this is, we don't have the power to get up on our own. That boy had no power on his own, did he? I mean, he was beyond any hope. He was beyond any medicine. He was beyond any temporary solution. Like he had no power on his own to get up. The boy, the mother, the crowd, everybody needed help. And Jesus steps in and he speaks. His power over death was immediate. He saw a need. He had pity. His heart went out, and his power was immediate over death. And he gave a reason why not to cry. Not a temporary hobby, not a temporary $100 bill to encourage you, not a temporary whatever it may be. He gave an eternal reason why not to cry. I think what's also cool is, how did this boy die? He knows nothing about this boy. How did this, do how did this boy die? I mean, he, he could have died of a drug overdose, Right? He, he could have died of an STD. He could have died of, uh, in, in a gang fight. He could have died on his couch eating potato chips. He, he could have died of a, of a heart attack in his mansion as he was stressed out about trading stocks. You know, I mean, he could have died in so many different ra ways right here. He could have died being caught sleeping with another man's wife. Like, Jesus knows nothing about this boy, about this individual. And I think what is really cool is he didn't ask, why did this boy die? Let me determine whether I'm going to heal him or not, whether he's worthy of it or not. He didn't care. He didn't care what he had done. He didn't care. Jesus didn't care what the boy had done. He didn't care about where the boy was going. He had no questions. All he did was saw a need and reached out and healed. Do you know what truth this whispers to us today? Man, a truth that I cling to every single day, grace. If you've ever heard this word grace, what, what does this mean? I'm, I'm going to talk about three words for a second. Grace, mercy, and justice. What are the difference between these three words? Grace is a word that I just cling to every day because it means this. It means this, getting what we don't deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. It's a free gift. God looks into this boy and he says, I don't care where you've been, what you've done, if you died of killing somebody, if you're the, the worst sinner in the whole world, you are healed because I love you. And here is my grace. 
And he whispers to all of us today. He does. And he, no, he doesn't whisper. He shouts through all time and space to us today. And he says, so-and-so, insert your name right there. It doesn't matter what you've done, how bad you are, how ugly you are, whatever it may be. My grace is covering all that, and I want you to accept my love today. Are, are, are you? Are you willing to accept this free gift that Jesus gives you? So grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Not getting what we deserve. We, get, we deserve to get beat up if, if we come home with a cat. Never mind. We won't go there. I'll leave, the, I'll leave the cats alone. No more cat talk. I'm sorry about the cats. I love cats. Not really. You know, you know what mercy is. And it's, it's not getting what we deserve. And in this case, there's a perfect God. We've sinned against God. We deserve complete separation from him, right? Because our actions, they're imperfect. We've all chosen to go our own way. And I honestly, I should, I should deserve mercy, you know, not getting what, what, what I deserve. I deserve to die, right? But God oversees that and says, I give you grace. You don't, you don't even deserve to be alive. I get it, but I'm going to give you full life. I'm going to give you full joy. So grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. And justice is getting what we deserve. I'm so glad that, that God is just not a God of, of justice that's sitting there and saying, you know what, boy? I saw you steal a candy bar yesterday, and so I'm not going to heal you today. Sorry. When Jesus walks into this crowd. He sees a need. He speaks into this boy and this woman and this family's life and says, Here's my grace. You are healed. He gives reason for that. <laughs> no situation in our life or in our lives is beyond God's ability to heal and restore us. I don't know where you sit today. If you sit feeling just madly in love with God and so excited with who he is and life's going great, awesome. That's good. But that's probably not the case for everyone in the room. There's probably some of us in here today where we're really hurting. Like life, is, life has been hard. It's dealt us some cards that we just, unfair, maybe. There's things that we're going through right now that are incredibly difficult to go through. One, I would say this. Keep gathering together, church. Here on Sunday mornings, great. But we have house churches Go to house church because we get to talk. We get to pray for each other. We get to encourage each other. We get to help each other through the hardest crap in life. Can I say that? I probably shouldn't have said that. Sorry. We get to help each other through the hardest stuff in life, hand in hand. And so don't isolate yourself. Go get yogurt with each other. Help each other through life. Like it takes more than just one person to go through this life. And if, if you've been dealt just hard things in life and it's hard to deal or understand who God is, keep coming around. And let's keep talking about who God is because God is good and God is love. And whatever you're going through right now, God has the ability to heal and to restore you. You know what restore you means? means to make you brand new, to put you back to where you were in a beautiful state. You know that state where you go back and go, I was in junior high, I looked good, and I had a good-looking girlfriend and all that stuff, where you're like, you think you're the top of the world? He can put you back in that state. <laughs> Except if it was the 80s, then you're out, you're just whatever, you know. 
the boy was dead. Are you at that point today? Don't lose hope. Don't go it alone. Is faith alive in you? Not just belief in Jesus, but is faith alive in you? You know, the one like the crowd had that said, we're going to follow you? Is faith alive in you? You can believe in Jesus. You can believe that he'll heal, store, restore, you know, bring hope and joy. You can believe that, but are you walking in that? Is that faith alive in you? See, Jesus is saying right now to you, I see you. I see you. He's saying, don't cry. He says, get up. Get up. And here's the reason. He touches and he reaches into our hopelessness and our dead dreams, and he speaks life to us. He says, it's going to be good. What feels dead in you right now? What feels alive in you right now? What has died in you? Maybe there's even a dream or something that God has put inside you. What has died in you recently? And you don't know why. Just like that little boy who was dead in that coffin, maybe there's something inside you right now that you would be like, it's just dying in me. Jesus can bring that dream alive. And why does he do that? Why does he heal that boy? Why does he bring that dream back alive in us? Why does he restore that? Why does he do that? It's all for his name's sake. So people will look at what God is doing in our life, and they'll say, well, that wasn't Aaron's work because he's a mess up. That had to be the hand of God, right? He does these incredible things in our life so that people will take notice of how powerful he is. Can I give you a little example? Just, just in my life, this happened this, this week for me. And this is just a little example. But I think he wants to do things like this in, in all of our lives. So you know I'm a college dropout, right? If you don't, you, do not, you now know that. Woo-hoo. Dropped out of college to start a rock and roll band in Miami. It was awesome. $5 a week I ate for about two months in a row, and I'm not joking. I'd go get Arby's roast beef sale. Like, you could get five for $5. So I had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday. And on the weekends, I just had to go eat out of trash cans or something. You know, but I dropped out of college, started a rock and roll band, ended up getting married, ended up working in a lot of churches. I mean, let's, let's fast forward this thing. I've worked at big, big churches. We were missionaries in Mexico. Our family, we moved here, what, three, three years ago? I think it's three years ago. Two, two and a half, three, somewhere in there. Because God's been asking us to start a church project, just a group of us. Like, let's go. Let's, let's do this thing. I mean, there's people that need hope in Greeley, Colorado. And I would agree. Do you agree? There's people that need hope in, in Greeley, Colorado. And so we move here, and, and things are going good. And, and church project is just kind of growing by heart, definitely by heart. If you're going to measure the size of a church, please measure it by heart because we're growing in heart. We're a, we're a mega church by heart, for sure. And he's actually even growing some numbers as well. And, and our house church is an excitement. And we're watching marriages just getting strengthened. And we're watching some addictions get broken. We're, we're watching some bad thinking get renewed. And, I mean, we're watching God do cool things here. I mean, this is, this is exciting, exciting stuff. I love this church. Can I call it my church? I love my church. I love our church and what God's doing here. And, and it was a while ago that God placed it in my heart, this outrageous dream. And this outrageous dream was this. Aaron, it doesn't make sense. I want you to apply for Denver Seminary. Okay, 
Denver Seminary is a graduate school. What's a prerequisite to graduate school? On a, on a bachelor, undergrad, right? College, remember I dropped out a long time ago to eat Arby's sandwiches? <laughs> and, and I've just learned in my life that God moves in crazy, crazy ways. And when I hear something, I, I, I best just follow through and have faith that what God's saying will work out one way or another. So I began the process months ago. Had to create all these, these documents and essays and stories. and I mean, it was a lot of work applying for Denver Seminary. It was crazy. Any of you know Turabian-style formatting? Me neither. I'm scared. I had to figure out what this was so I could do footnotes and bibliography and cover page and all this stuff. And so it was a big process, but it kind of all culminated to last week. And last week, I, I, I was invited to sit in front of the admission board at Denver Seminary. And I think it was my good looks more than anything. Like, I had a suit on, a tie on. I walked in. I'm like, this is, it. hey, Brent, admit it. I look good. Bro. All right, I don't. I don't really. I'm always, never mind. We'll leave that alone. So I, I'm sitting before the admission board, and they're firing questions. And it's intimidating. They're, they're firing some pretty serious questions, like, why would you apply for grad school without an undergrad? I'm like, well, about that, you know. And my undergrad, by the way, was like 1.2. That was my grade point average because I did not care about college. So they had all these questions, and I answered them the best I could. And, and just, you know, Jeremy gave me great advice going into, that, going into that intimidating setting. He's like, just speak life to them, bro. Just speak life to them. Encourage them. I'm like, bro, that was huge to get that mind, that mind change because I was intimidated, right? So Jeremy spoke that in me. Go to the admissions committee. They dismiss me, and I'm sitting in the, in the other room just kind of twiddling my thumbs thinking, well, that, I don't know. We'll see. Just, I'm crazy, whatever. And, and they deliberated for a while, and then they came out, and then the head of admissions sat with me, and, and she right away, she goes, Aaron, I saw your stuff come across my desk months ago, and I've, I've kind of been rooting for you, but knowing that it's just probably not going to happen. And, and I was like, oh, great, that's a subtle way of, you know, you didn't make it. And then I'm like, sweet, well, at least I tried. All right, you know. And, and then she began crying. And, and, and she said, Aaron, and I've been here you know, for a very long time. And all my years as being head of admissions, I've never seen this done. She goes, the admissions committee wants to offer you full acceptance into the Denver Seminary without any conditions. We understand you don't have an undergrad, and we've never done this, but welcome to Denver Seminary. And, and she... Yeah, yeah, way cool, and she began to cry, which made me cry, believe it or not, like I cry a lot, but she began to cry, I began to cry, and she, and she just said, Aaron, we believe that we see God's hand at move in your life and in your family's life, and we want to be a part of this thing, and I left, I'm still a little numb, by the way, I'm scared to death, but I left, and I was like, God, why would you do this, why would you do this, and and as I was kind of reading through this, I was thinking, man, the difference between believing God and having faith in God is enormous, right? Like, we can believe that God can do cool things in our life. We can believe it all day long, but until we follow him, it's worthless. What's dead in your life? What does God want to bring alive in you? Have faith that he'll do Ask him. He's that powerful. Oh, but I don't deserve it. Okay, he'll have pity on you first. It'll affect his heart, and then he'll have his power in your life. 
just like in this story right here. Let's continue a little bit. So, verse 16, they were all filled with awe. Imagine that. Two crowds converge. A guy breaks it up, touches a coffin, says, get up, boy. And the boy gets up. Would you be filled with awe? Another version, I like this one as well, because I think this would be more me. It, it, it said that the fear came upon them of God at that moment. If I saw a man heal someone, I, I, I'd, be awe, I'd be awestruck, but I'd also be so scared. I'd be like, oh, my goodness. Like, we're not dealing with just temporary healing power here. We're dealing with someone that can heal all of eternity. I mean, the power and the fear of God struck these people at this moment. When God moves, it's for his fame and for everyone to be awed in his power. God wants to use your life to show off his power, by the way. That's what's awesome. God wants to do incredible things in your life so that his name will be known in your life and in your family and in your kids and in your workplace and in your college and wherever you go. He wants his power to be known through your life. And when, so when people look at your life, they're like, it definitely wasn't him or her. They couldn't do it on their own. It's the power of God moving in your life. I think what's cool is that verse 16, they were all filled with awe and praised him. Hallelujah, praised him. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. Verse 17, this news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Think about this. News, you look at a map. Judea is way down south from where this main place is. It's a big area. But news of Jesus started to spread. They didn't have Twitter or text. How is this news spreading? I mean, news about Jesus is spreading throughout all these miles. And people are beginning to hear about his healing power and what he's doing. And he's restoring hope. And you know what I think is really cool? If you're following the story of, of, the, of the Bible and, and Jesus' life at this time, there's a man called John the Baptist during this time. And John the Baptist came to prepare the way for Jesus. And John the Baptist is in prison right now. He's in prison right now because he's preparing the way for Jesus. And so I, can, I would love to be John the Baptist in prison right now. And news about Jesus spreads throughout all Judea and the whole area and finds me in prison. And I know that my life wasn't a waste. I know that God's power is moving even without me doing anything out there. God is doing his thing. So I imagine John the Baptist, even when he heard this news, he started leaping and jumping and punching the walls in his prison saying, this is working. This is awesome. The people have heard the news of Jesus' love story. And it's affecting lives in big, big ways. Even if it looks hopeless, John the Baptist looked a little hopeless for him. Jesus will still be known. Good triumphs, love wins. God does his thing in our lives. I can't handle any more today, can you? I mean, I'm pretty tapped out. This is good stuff. Have you seen God's hand in this? Have you heard his story in this? Has the spirit pricked your heart? Because it's a beautiful story. It'll change everything about the way that we think and move and respond and accept his love. It's a beautiful story.
I want to ask us right now, just this is, I believe, the most important part of what we're going through. If you would just close your Bible, shut down your U version. This is the time where, I mean, belief, we can all believe that this is true, but how will this play out in your life? Will you have the faith to release your control into Jesus' hands today? Like you came in here one way, and I think Jesus, even right now, is prodding every single one of our hearts. We have goosebumps, and it's not simply because it's cold in here. We have goosebumps because God is doing something in your life right now. Will you accept that? Will you accept what God's doing in your life right now? If you would, just close your eyes. If you're comfortable with it, hold out your hands in front of you. Just as a symbol, just say, God, I want to receive what it is you're showing me today. I open-handedly receive it, and I give you the stuff you want me to give you today. Now, I'm just going to ask us a couple things, and I'm going to ask God to keep working in your heart and in your mind right now. This is your time with, with God. See, the crowd followed Jesus because they, they believed and had faith in him. What about you? Do you have faith in Jesus? In the small things and in the great, big, enormous things. Like, do you have faith that God's actually going to pay that bill or provide a, a way for you to pay that bill? Do you have faith that God can do those things? And even in the large thing, do you have faith that God can restore your life? That he will actually forgive you of sin? And he can actually purify you? And he can actually set you on a path of love for him? Do you believe that? Do you have faith in him in that? Have you given your life, control of your life to him today? If not, maybe in this place, that's what you're placing in your hands. It's just, God, I I believe in you and I have faith in you. Here's my life. Direct me, guide me. here's, Here's another thought. Are you in a situation that's beyond you? Hand it over to Jesus. I think we saw through the text today that Jesus can. He's able. He's that powerful. It's hard to let go of something if you have closed fists and you're holding on to it. So just open your fists and say, God, I give you control of this situation. Some of us, God prodded us today and and, and he may have said that we've been just living without purpose and we've been jumping from temporary to temporary fix to hobby to new, new husband or wife to whatever it may be. We're just jumping around. We're temporarily looking for just whatever it may be and we're not finding it. Well, the great truth of this love story of the gospel is that jumping around from temporary to temporary will never give you anything. It's time to stop playing games on the temporary level and to speak into the eternal and say, God, I want to serve you with my life. Please fill me with your eternal love and joy. Maybe you need to let go of some of those temporary things that you've been trying to find purpose in. Just give those to him right now. 
some of us, if we're going to be honest, we've been trying to get up on our own. We've been dead, right? Right? Like that boy in the coffin, but, but we could do it. Just pull up our boots and work harder. Or I don't need a relationship. I don't need a, a mentor. I don't need other people in my life to disciple me. I don't need house church. I don't need any of this stuff. We've been trying to do it on our own. Some of us today, it's time to stop trying doing life on our own to rely on Jesus. Just reach out our hand and say, Jesus, I need you. And maybe in a very real physical way today, we need to reach out our hand and and say, would you please help me through life? Can we do life together? Don't leave here alone. There's people in this room that love God. They love you. And we would love to do life together. What dreams are dead inside of you? What feels dead inside of you right now? Just hold your hands out and say, God, take this away. I can't deal with this. It's beyond my control. It's chaos. I think for some of us today, like the people, after after they saw the great thing that Jesus did, they were in awe of who he is. Some of us today, that's, that's our point. Like, we haven't been in awe of who Jesus is in a long time. We've taken for granted his power in our life. Can we just have permission to be in awe in who Jesus is and his power and what he does? I want to invite us all right now just to just stand up and go into a, a, a time of just praising God. What does that mean? It's a fancy word. It's the time to get to get real with God and what He's doing in our life. We're gonna go through two songs, and this first song I'd encourage you, just you and God, just spend some time together. You may go and take communion on the back right, just dip the bread in the grape juice, the bread that represents his body that was broken for us the grape juice that represents his blood and and take communion and be in awe of what he's done, what great lengths he's gone through for you. Some of us, it's worshiping God through through giving and our tithes and offerings. That is back there as well. Saying, God, there's nothing in my life I'm holding back. I'm all in. I'm obedient in what I give and what I do with my time, money, resources, my talents with all of me. Some of us, we, uh, we just simply need prayer. We have Danny up here. We have Shannon up here. Brant up here. We have people all around that would love to pray with you. If you feel like you would like to pray with someone, please do not leave without praying with someone. Some of us, it's just we're in so in awe with how much God has done in our life that the only way we can worship Him is by raising our hands and singing to him, saying, God, you are worthy, you are holy, you are awesome. I'm not sure how you're going to respond to Christ in this place, but I invite us. We're going to do two songs. One, a song with you and God. Just just spend some good time. The second time, if, if you have kids, we would like to invite you. You can go get your kids, bring them back, do communion as a family or worship together as a family. That's beautiful. That's optional. You don't have to do that. You don't want to. But this is your time. So let God work in your heart in this place.